Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, February 17th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we are talking about today. Justice Paul Rulo releases his final report from the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. We needed to take action a year ago, and we did so in a measured, responsible, time-limited way. I want to thank the Commissioner uh, and uh, the, uh, all the staff of the inquiry for working extremely uh, rapidly on an extremely difficult file with very tight timelines. To highlight the tightness of the timelines, I look forward to reviewing uh, the uh, Commission's report. Ethics Commissioner Mario Zion announces he is stepping down and expresses his frustration as he leaves. The violation was so elementary. Awarding a contract or two contracts to a friend is so elementary that I fail to see how education would have prevented it. And the Conservatives say the Liberals' ethical lapses kept Mario Zion busy. After eight years of breaking ethics laws, are there any Liberals who will hold their political masters to account or is helping their friends and insiders why they got into politics in the first place? Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief of the Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob. Nice, uh, nice to see you on Zoom. <laughs> Good morning to you. It's yes. snowing outside. In case you haven't I, looked out, I know, I know exactly. But hopefully, by the time we actually get out on the roads, it'll be cleared up. But um, yeah. So uh, speaking of cleared up, it looks like Justice Rulo is going to uh, later on today tell us whether he thinks uh, the Trudeau government's use of the Emergency Act uh, to deal with that convoy that kind of locked down the city for three weeks. Uh, is justified. Uh, what will you be looking for, Bob? Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, that is the big takeaway from uh, Justice Rulo's report was whether the federal government was justified in invoking the Emergency Act. When the Emergency Act is invoked, uh, the government is obligated to have a judicial inquiry to look into it because, you know, it, it infects people's civil liberties when that um, act is invoked. And it's very difficult, as you and I know, uh, Julie, to know what he is going to say. Um, my own personal view is that I never felt it was justified. I, my belief is that the police had the powers to be able to uh, to uh, end these protests, these truckers' protests, as they did in Windsor. And in Ottawa, it was a failure of police leadership. But we will see. Um, you know, Justice Rulu, I think, uh, I think he would agree, uh, handled himself very very well in in the inquiry and whatever decision he uh, comes down with is you know i i think we the public would accept um what there has been already one casualty uh even though the report is not even out uh brenda lucky the rcmp commissioner announced a few days ago that she was uh, leaving the the force the government did not want her back in any way uh, would not have wanted to reappoint her when her term is up in march because she's been a disaster. Um, she uh, is probably going to come into a lot of criticism in the Nova Scotia inquiry over the mass shooting. And she looked very, performed very, very badly before Justice Rulo's committee uh, commission. And I'm assuming she is going to come in for a lot of criticism. And I think she's just trying to uh, get out of the way, so to speak. Well, I'm leaving, so leave me alone. Right. You can't get me because I'm not there. So, right. <laughs> but, you know, just to remind listeners, uh, you know, when she testified at Justice uh, Rulo's commission, 
I guess we found out then that she had some kind of plan in her back pocket uh, that would have avoided using the Emergencies Act, but she kind of kept it to herself. It was quite strange. It was bizarre. She, she, she said there was no need to bring in the Emergencies Act and she had a plan. But my goodness, she forgot to tell the cabinet about that. <laughs> it's my plan and I'm keeping it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I would imagine also, as you, uh, as you know, that the Ottawa police will clearly come in for some very, very heavy criticism. Um, I mean, they, that if there, any place that was a failure of leadership of um, the leadership of the uh, Ottawa police, for sure. And, uh, you know, Chief Slowly, who uh, ended up resigning before, uh, because of it, the public was so dissatisfied with him. And then a few days after he resigned, um, the uh, OPP and the RCMP and uh, police from across the country came in and ended that uh, convoy protest within within 24 hours. Yeah, I know. It was kind of uh, crazy at the time. Remember, he kept saying, I need more people. I need more people. I mean, more people did come in, but obviously behind the scenes, the whole thing was falling apart. So I guess that's a good point, though. Who's going to be sitting on the edge of their seats wondering, OK, how do I fare in all this? Obviously, the police forces. The police forces, for sure. Um, uh, would, would uh, you know, it's also possible that Ontario Premier uh, Doug Ford will be criticized. He did not. Uh, he did not agree to testify before the rural commission, but uh, you know he was certainly dragging his feet uh, at the early stages of the convoy in not sending uh, more officers to Ottawa. And so I expect he may be criticized. Um, but I think largely it's going to be the, the police, and then it's going to have to come down to whether. Uh, what Justice Rulo believes, whether the, the Trudeau government was justified in actually uh, bringing in the act. And uh, the prime minister, by the way, as you know, has a news conference scheduled mm -hmm. uh, about an hour and a half after mm -hmm. the um, commission report is, is publicly released. So there'll be lots of questions to him. But whatever it, it's good or bad for him, uh, at least he's going to face the music right away. We're, and we're not going to have to wait hours or try to chase him down next week when the House of Commons is not sitting. No, no, exactly. So, I mean, obviously the people who had to put up with the horn honking and, uh, you know, the local residents, um, you know, I, I think they would probably argue that it was justified. But like you say, it's a question of, um, you know, did the, did the police kind of drop the ball and they should have been uh, able to deal with this before it got to that stage. That's what we'll all be looking for, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I... I it was unbelievable, uh, Julie. I mean, the police were able to, as soon as they started to occupy the, the, the Windsor-Detroit uh, Bridge, um, you know, that was over in no time because they actually sent the police and told them to do their job. Mind you, the Americans were saying, if you don't do this, we'll clear the bridge because, exactly. uh, you know, so much trade goes back and forth across the border. But I mean, I've we we watched. Um, there was no enforcement. The police were chatting away to these people. I remember Solly said Solly said one point, "We're going. We're going to stop people from bringing gasoline up uh, to yeah. the um, uh, to the convoy people for the, I guess to heat their hot tub." Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, I was watching outside the window, my office window, and they're bringing wagons full of gasoline up, and the police are letting them by. Right. Yeah, it's just it's mind boggling. And and, you know, it got to the point in Ottawa that citizens in the Glebe area actually began to take the law in their whole own hands and started stopping truckers from coming in. 
this because they had given up faith in the in the in the police to to enforce the the rule of law. No, no, exactly. And they actually put a plaque up commemorating what they did uh, mm. on the, the main street there down on Riverside where people were coming in. Because uh, like you say, they were so fr frustrated, they kind of and, formed a human chain there to stop them. And I remember talking to a lot of these truckers who, by the way, um, were not racist and all that sort of stuff that Trudeau had said. I mean, these were badly informed about uh, COVID for sure. Uh, conspiracy theories on that. But, you know, these were truckers. Um, who own you know half a million dollar rigs? They are generally law abiding, very individual, individualistic, but they pay their taxes. They're very law abiding, uh, and I'm not talking about the party animals right in front of Parliament Hill who were dope. The up hot tubbers, the hot tubbers. They were, and you know, they were. That's a different crew, but they they believed because the police did not act that mm -hmm. they were not going to that, that they that they were never going to uh, deal with them. And within right. when the police came and started. Uh, arresting people and taking people's trucks all these people who said to me well oh, we're staying right to the end they were booting it out i remember going to one guy uh, who was a farmer from prince edward county and who i got to know and i went up to see him are you how are you doing well we can't talk bob can't talk i gotta get my truck out of here i don't want to lose my truck yeah so it makes you wonder if they'd just gone three weeks earlier and said hey time to leave boys exactly <laughs> it would have ended earlier exactly final point on this um about Pierre Polyev, a uh, conservative leader, uh, you know, we all remember him going out and giving coffee to the truckers and so on. I mean, I guess the best outcome for him today, because he barely said a peep. I don't think he said much during the Rouleau Commission. I don't think he, you know, he called. He never once, he ne during the Rouleau Commission hearings, he never scrummed once with, he, he wasn't, he went into hiding. No. So I guess like his best outcome for him, obviously, is if Trudeau gets his knuckles wrapped on this. But uh, so I guess he'll be watching, too. Yes, you're right on that. I mean, he, but, you know, it's indefensible. Uh, Polyev's position on this was the, the party of law and order uh, was wink, wink, nudging uh, people who were breaking the law. He's going to have to answer for that at some point. And you can be sure the liberals have all those ads ready to go. The videos of him ready to for go sure. when the election is called. Um, because, you know, Canadians uh, support the law and, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure, look, I, I don't think there's any sympathy for people who, um, first of all, were uh, anti-vaxxing and, and anti-vaxxers and were putting the lives of many other Canadians in danger. But secondly, all to break the law the way they were doing it, right. there's there's freedom of protest, but there's not freedom to be able to clog a city and blow horns 24 hours a day so that people cannot sleep and cannot get to work and have their trucks with all that gas, uh, with the diesel fumes going all day as well. Okay, so we'll be watching that for sure. Now, <clears throat> on another topic, Mario Zion, the ethics commissioner, a commissioner uh, you know, he, he kind of didn't go quietly into the night with his retirement gold watch on his wrist. He certainly expressed his frustration as he headed out the door. What do you what do you make of, of some of his observations? Well, I mean, I have a lot of respect for uh, Mario Dion. Uh, you know, these he's one of those sort of dull bureaucrats and gets into a position uh, as an ethics commissioner. And lo and behold, he's. Um, He's got, uh, you know, steel uh, abs, so to yeah, speak. And, he's got fangs. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, and he has 
uh, said that, um, you know, the uh, cabinet ministers and parliamentary secretaries, less so MPs, need to be trained, believe it or not, to be ethical, to know what the ethical standards are. Like they need mandatory training. A mandatory training. Yeah, let's and, not make this an you know, option. It's mandatory now. And the reason for this is that he's found that there is a track record of ethical breaches by Trudeau cabinet ministers and parliamentary secretaries. And I want to run it, read the quote from and And it all seems to come from the leadership of Prime Minister Trudeau, who, as you know, has stepped on one ethical pile of poop after another. <laughs> uh, and let me let me quote from him, from Mr. Dion. People follow the leader, leading by example in every management book I've ever read. Therefore, it's, it most probably has an impact on the people who are led that the prime minister has twice been found to be in contravention of the act. You always look up to the leader. So he's not, in this case, he's not talking about all members of parliament. He's talking about cabinet ministers and parliamentary secretaries so um it's it's a it's a really devastating remark about mr trudeau and you know we just saw recently that international trade minister mary nang hired her best friend for mm -hmm. a communications contract and uh, she apologized for it she should have been forced to resign and then when she went to committee uh, last week i think it was last week when she went to committee she said, well, her staff didn't tell her it was not a good thing to do. She kind of threw I them mean, under the bus. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you walking into a store and shoplifting and your husband told, should have told you not to do it. <laughs> that sounds I like mean, a good line. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then we have Greg Fergus, who's a parliamentary secretary. He's a local uh, Gatineau yeah. area member of parliament. Uh, and, you know, he thought it was OK to intervene with the CRGC on behalf of a local um, uh, cable company. Uh, I mean, like, that's a resignation. When Jean Charest tried to do that under Brian Maroney's When he called a judge. He, when he called a judge. But the CRGC is a semi-judicial uh, yep. semi body. Uh, he should have resigned. But, you know, the point is, like you say, the buck stops here and the prime minister has been called on for ethical breaches, including that vacation he took at the Aga Khan's island. Um, and the SNC-Lavalin. SNC-Lavalin, of course. Uh, so I guess the question is, should he have stepped down then to, to show to, to say, OK, it looks like I screwed up. I'm stepping down. He wrote it out. So like what, what was well, that's like? what they're doing now. And Mary Ning is writing yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. OK, I violated the ethics rules. But so what? I'll, I'll say I'm sorry and we'll move on. Um, you know, the problem with the uh, with the ethics law is that there is that all you do is all you can do is get the, the commissioner can only give you a sort of a, a verbal slap on the wrist and maybe a five hundred dollar maybe. Fine. Yeah. yeah, it's not even that. I don't think it may yeah. be 250 bucks, um, you know, which is pocket change for cabinet ministers who make pretty good money. So, um, well, you, you know, and sorry, but he's right. Yeah. The leader, if the leader doesn't um, show any uh, ethical compass, um, then, you know, the, the, the his subordinates are going to um, say, well, it doesn't affect the prime minister. He doesn't seem to care. So so be it. Very, very interesting. But if you recall back in the Brian Mulroney era, when they, they you know, they were being tossed out every week almost, uh, whether it was a tuna yeah. gate scandal or Bob, Bob Coates. Coates showing up yeah. in a 
at a strip bar in Germany, yeah. whatever. A couple, a um, couple of Canadian uh, Sinclair Stevens. Sinclair Stevens. Of, I mean, a couple of Quebec cabinet ministers. Yeah, yeah Bissonnet, I think. Anyway, yeah. the point is, back then, it seemed like okay, you know, uh, I don't want any bad apples around, so you're gone. Then like, it seems to me, I'm trying to remember this, but Chrétien, he used to say, I've never had anybody have to leave my cabinet. Well, he would he would do this approach, I think, just yes. write it out. Yeah, yeah. the Gretchen approach. So it seems to me to, that's the approach now, write it out. That, that's right. That's the Gretchen approach is to is was to write it out. Um, the, pope, the public will forget. Um, actually, in fairness to Mr. Maroney, uh, he did actually require his ministers to resign. It's too bad he didn't follow his own advice when he took that $250,000 from Caroline Schreiber before he left. Well, that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so um, uh, yeah, it was very interesting to hear him say, like, basically the Mary Ng thing, like giving a contract to a friend. She said, you know, maybe it's time we have more um, training for staff and so on. Mm -hmm. But he said, like, that's so basic. Like, what do you need training for that? Like, you're giving a contract to a friend, duh, that should be pretty obvious. Not a uh, good idea. Yeah, it's going back to the uh, shoplifting an analogy. It's the same thing. I mean, if you don't know, you can't go into a store and shoplift, then there's something really wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, to, to his credit, I do think, though, that uh, these um, that there should that the prime minister should make this mandatory. I hope he takes the course himself, because it it will be good for us as journalists when we catch them to be able to say, well, you took mandatory training. What didn't you understand in this? Right. Exactly. This way, a Mary Ning can't say, oh, I did that with my best friend, but nobody in my office told me. Now, Mary Ng, by the way, was a, was worked for the prime minister as a political exactly. staffer. So exactly. I guess she's learned the the, the opera, how to handle this sort of stuff while working for Trudeau, which is to obfuscate and blame somebody else. No, it's to say you're sorry many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bob, it's great uh, talking to you. So um, look forward to seeing you after when the house comes back. All right. You take care. Thank you okay. for having me on. Okay. Bye. Take care. Talk to you soon. That was Bob Fife, Bureau Chief, Ottawa Bureau Chief of the Globe and Mail. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues the safe third country agreement is one big loophole. He writes, closing the crossing at Roxham Road should be easy enough, but the migrants come to Roxham Road because the regular crossings were closed to them. Close it, and they'll simply cross somewhere else. So we are left with the favorite answer of the easy answerers. Renegotiate the safe third agreement again. But the agreement was a favor to us to begin with. What would we have to offer the Americans to get them to agree to changes that would see fewer migrants leaving the U.S. and more being returned? In time, we may conclude that the safe third country agreement was not the solution to our border troubles. It was the problem all along. At National Newswatch, Glenn Pearson cautions against going it alone. He writes, In a disruptive age where nations around the world are re-examining their alliances with one another, Britain serves as a reminder of just what is at stake when leaders aim for the ideological instead of the practical, claiming it was time for the nation to go it alone and be a sovereign country once more. Brexit has divided the nation more than at any other time in recent history. 
As the world seeks to reorder itself in lieu of changing realities, it will be vital to learn from the British cautionary tale. Britain is paying the price for its arrogance and haste, he writes, but it might serve as the best lesson for all nations as they move forward. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with reporters in Ottawa, along with Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will host an economic roundtable in Ottawa on the cost of living and affordability. International Trade Minister Mary Ng will take part in the C-100 Annual Summit in Half Moon Bay, California. Indigenous Services Minister Patty Haidu will announce new investments from FedNor to support local education and training programs in the Thunder Bay area. In Charlottetown, PEI Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley will make an announcement related to the Veterans Affairs Canada National Headquarters. And Minister of Families Karina Gould will be in Scarborough to announce a reinvestment in the Supporting Black Canadian Communities Initiative. That's CPAC today in politics for Friday, February 17th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for the coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast is back March 6th when MPs return to the House of Commons.